Hey everyone, welcome to the Relevant Church Weekly Podcast. We're so excited you've joined us today. We hope this message encourages you, inspires your heart, and strengthens your faith. Enjoy. Do me a favor and um, turn to your neighbor and tell them this is for me. Okay, now turn to your other neighbor and be confident about it and say this is really for me. All right. This is for me. This is for me. Uh, I was t- last week we started on a, uh, a passage of scripture that I shared is probably one of the toughest uh, parables that Jesus ever gave. It's a parable of the dishonest manager. And um, it was funny because on the internets, I had posted something, and uh, people started DMing me, sending me text messages, trying to say, hey, I think I figured out which, which text you're going to use. And, and finally, yesterday, one of my friends, Dan Fazio, who you guys have to meet, he's one of the craziest Italian New York guys you'll ever meet in your life, mob-related and everything. But um, uh, he's, he's begging for an opportunity to come and preach to you guys. I'm like, I can't wait. I don't know if they're, they're ready yet, though. I don't know if they're ready for you yet. I got to season them up a little bit. But he called me up. He's like, hey, what's the matter with you? What is this parable you're talking about? I'm like, I'm talking about the parable of the dishonest manager. He's like, I've never heard it. And I've read the Bible back and forth. And so I read it to him. He's like, I've never heard that one. I was like, yeah, I know, because most preachers don't want to preach on it. It's kind of a little scary because there's so many different things happening in it. So today, we're going to go into it a little bit further, a little bit deeper. Is that all right with you all? Yeah. All right. Thank you for those of you who clapped. You are my people. The rest of you, get on, the, get on the bus, all right? Get on the boat. Luke 16, uh, verse 1. It says this. It says, he said to the disciples, there was a rich man. Everyone say a rich man. Rich. It's interesting. I'm going to pause there real quick because throughout Scripture, there's always going to be stories of rich people, Okay? Uh, the rich people show up in scripture many times. And, and oftentimes, whenever a rich person shows up in scripture, what is attributed to them is that they are a good person, a righteous person. Abraham, the father of our faith, what do they say about him? The first description about Abraham you'll find in Genesis is that he was a very rich man. All right, so I just want to, I want us to get rid of some of our, our, our mindsets and philosophies and ideologies around money because money is good. Say it with me. Money is, say this with me. I need a lot of money. I need a lot of money because I got to bless a lot of people with it. Does, doesn't that feel good? Does that feel a little weird to y'all a little bit saying that? Or it felt good, right? It feels good. It feels good to have money in your pocket. That's why when you go to the club, the, the, the DJ will say, if you got $5 in your pocket, come on. You, you get all excited, like, oh, that's me, girl, and all that stuff, right? Because you got $5 in your pocket. So in the church, if you got $5 in your pocket, it's time for an offering. Hello, somebody. He was a rich man. There was a rich man who had a manager. Everyone say a manager. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a manager. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I am a good manager. He had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. 
And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people will receive me into their houses. So he's summoning his master's debtors, and one by one he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write down 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill, write 80. The master commended Listen, the master commended, commended, right? Are you you with me? The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He commended him for his shrewdness. Was he still dishonest? Did he get a commendation from his master? And last week we learned about what, what he did in taking those bills down to 50 and to 80 was not necessarily unethical because we've got some real estate guys in the house here. Sometimes to get the deal done, you'll say, I'll take a percentage off of my commission if we can get this done. Or you don't say, okay, these are shrewd. <laughs> but I'm sure they'd hook me up. Y'all would hook me up, though, right? Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right? If you're trying to get a deal done with a car, they might say, you know what, if we can get this thing signed right now, I'll take $5,000 off the sticker price, and it is completely okay because they understand the economies of what's happening in the, in the spread, in the financial spread that is, being, that is in that transaction. So the master looks at what he's done and is like, oh, okay, okay. This guy's taking care of himself, making sure that when he's no longer a manager here, people out there will still think of him as their their guy. And he'll have other opportunity when this transaction, when this season is over in his life. Are you with me? Okay, so that's, that's the basic, basic meaning there. So he commends him for his shrewdness, but he's still dishonest because of his his prior management. Are we together? All right. So he says, and then Jesus says this. This is is Jesus speaking to you. Now Jesus turns and he speaks to you, his disciples. He says this. He says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their dealings with their own generation than the sons of light. He says, y'all are stupid compared to people in the marketplace. They get it. They know how transactions work. They understand financial responsibility. Y'all only live for today. These guys know that there's a future coming, and they take care of their future by making friends. Watch what he says. He says this. He says this. He says, and I tell you, make friends with yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, when what fails? When it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. So there's a, a, a eternal perspective here, and there's a failing temporal perspective perspective that's being discussed here what I want you to understand is that the money that's in your pocket will lose value therefore it is unrighteous the clothes that you're wearing eventually will no longer be in style 
Therefore, they're unrighteous. They'll, they'll get holes in it, even though some, some of that is, is, is in style. I think Pastor Scott's wearing holes in his jeans. You know, funny story about that. I had a gentleman at the, who, who attended our church for, for a few weeks. Uh, he came up to me and says, I am working on a big, big, big deal. I'm about to inherit hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars. And when I get that money, pastor, your wife will not have to wear holy jeans anymore. <laughs> I, I see her getting up there with holes in her jeans, and it, it disgusts me to know that my pastor is poor like this. And we're going to get you a new car. Now put your wife in a minivan and, and get you a nice, a nice Camry, Pastor. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> oh, our clothes lose value. They, 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 they get destroyed. Our homes get flooded. Earth, things happen on this side. So everything that you see as an asset on this side of heaven is unrighteous wealth because it fails. True riches go on into eternity. So when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Are we together so far? All right. So the example, well, I won't even get into that. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, verse 10, this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. One who is faithful in very little, everyone say very little, is also faithful in much. And one who's dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Jesus is telling you that your life on this planet is a workshop. It's a, it's a series of simulations and exercises to see how you show up down here. Because how you show up down here is exactly how you show up up there. I want you to understand something. Your personality will not change in heaven. It's not going to change. You get to take care of your personality and your... I mean, there is a scenario where you get to heaven and you are a douchebag down here. And guess what you are up there? Suffering the loss. Because of how you showed up down here. And there's a reward scenario. There is a reward scenario. I, I, I wish I would get into it because it's, it's a larger, larger uh, teaching. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about how there's this bema seat judgment. That's the Greek word, this bema seat judgment. And what you've done on earth will be judged, whether it was hay, straw, or, or, or gems, precious gems of gold and silver. And it will be put through the fire, and things will survive, and things will not survive. Are you with me? How you show up down here is how you'll show up up there. Are we together? If you're faithful with very little, you will be faithful with very much. If you're dishonest with very little, guess what? You'll be dishonest with much as well. If then, listen to this. Verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? 
<laughs> yes, ownership is important. However, you don't get ownership down here. This is a simulation. You get loaned. Everything you have on this planet is on loan. It is on credit. It is a simulation to see how you can be trusted with true riches. Are we together? So, so he goes on and says, and if you've not been faithful, which is another's, then who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. You either will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. Are we together? All right. So I came to this country in 1984. We left Africa. I was eight years old. I just turned eight, I believe. And I had toys in Africa. I had friends in Africa. I had, I had my things that I, that I wanted. And, and I remember when we were getting ready to pack up, I was like, I, I want to take this. I, wanna, I had this little, this little toy horse thing that, that had springs on it. It just bounced and bounced. That was my favorite toy. We came to America, couldn't find anything like it. I think it's some sort of like, you know, it's probably a recall that they sent to Africa because that's what they do. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times I fell on that thing, I hurt myself, but I still loved it. Americans were like, mm-mm, this is not good for American children to be playing with. Let's send it to African kids. They'll enjoy it. <laughs> so so, so, so I, I had all this stuff, and, and, and everything that, that I had uh, in Africa had to be put in a suitcase. And this is how we came into this country, with just what we had. Some people will tell you that when it comes to, to heaven, you, 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 you don't get to carry anything with you. And I like to tell you that you do get to carry some things with you. We'll talk about that in a second. You do get to carry some things with you. Everyone says, well, you can't take that with you in heaven, so you might as well, whatever they may say to you, you can't take that with you in heaven. You've never seen a person who, who's at their funeral has a hearse and then there's a U-Haul truck behind them to go bury that stuff with them. You, you won't go with it. Let me tell you something. Everything that you have on this earth can be translated. Of course, when we got to America, we could not use African money in America. Are you with me? We couldn't use our assets from Africa over here. In other, we had, it was irrelevant in America. And so to make it relevant, we had to take what we had in Africa and put it through a currency exchange. And bring it into the equivalent value into American dollars. Exactly $328 to be exact. Are you with me? Everything had to be purposed for our destination. Everything that we had had to be purposed for our what? Destination. It had to be purposed for our destination. So, so quickly, come up here, Jessica. You're going to be my, 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 my friend today. See, see, prior to Christ... As, 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 a, as a human being, this is your existence. You walk around life. Just keep walking. Keep walking. You keep walking. Just keep walking. And, and you just live life. Come back. You can turn around now. Come back. Just keep walking. And then you become a Christian, and God gives you a bag. Because the moment you become a Christian, the Bible says this, you are no longer of this earth. 
When you become a Christian, you are no longer part of this earth. You are, you are now a, a, a green card carrying individual on this planet because heaven is your home and, the, and, and you're part of a kingdom that is no longer this kingdom. You are, as a matter of fact, you are an ambassador on this planet. Are you with me? Bring me back my bag. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica. Do you understand? So all your life as a believer, your walk, your existence is like this. I've, I, I'm only here for a while. My, my existence on this planet is nothing more than a layover. This is just a layover. I'm on a layover. I don't own anything here. But everything that I do get to be put into my hand is an asset under management of my king. Are we together? It's an asset under management of my king. I got to pace myself. We get here with the suitcase. We're starting over. It's a new scene. It's a new dimension. And what I want to ask you, is the bag that you're carrying relevant to where you're going? Or does it stay here? Is the bag that you're dragging with you as a believer relevant to where you are going? Or have you forgotten that this is a layover? So we get to America. Within a matter of months, something very special happened in our family. I can remember it. My father said, we are going to have a family meeting. And we gathered around. And I was like, what is this, daddy? Because I still had my accent heavy. Today we received a letter from the greatest white man that has ever lived in America. His name is Ed McMahon. I would like to read the letter to you as a family. This letter is from the desk of the Vice President of International Promotions and Prize Awards Department. And it reads, we are pleased to announce to you that you have been selected to be guaranteed to enter to win $10 million. Glory to God in the highest. Everything that they told us about America is true. We are rich. We have been, we have been selected to win, to enter, to win. Guaranteed entry into the sweepstakes. For the next five days, our family would say, we don't know when they're showing up. But very soon, we'll get a knock on the door. I am the greatest white man from America here to deliver a check to you Africans. We were excited, yo. It was the greatest time. We were so, I mean, I could, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a, tra- I'm going to get Transformers. I'm going to get G.I. Joes. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Cabbage Patch dolls. I'm going to, remember Cabbage Patch dolls? The ugliest dolls ever made. Um, uh. We made a list. My parents are like, we are going to get a Buick Sentry. And maybe if we, if, we, if we feel good, we might get a Cadillac. Diamond in the back, sun rooftop, digging the scene with my gangster lane. (laughs) 
I loved this country for like a good seven days. For a good seven days, I was like, I love America. But here's the thing. What happens to sweepstake winners? What happens to lottery winners? They go broke within a year, two years, five years. Because here's the thing about it. They lose it all because they weren't tested. They weren't tested. They weren't faithful in little and could not be given much. So if you've never been faithful with little and you're given much, there's mismanagement is all in your hands. My, my, my coach, Coach Carl, says that you show up as a poor man with a million dollars. With poor man poverty habits with a million dollars in your hand. And guess what happens? Your spirit does not even agree with what's in your pocketbook. Your soul is like there's resistance to even feel as if you deserve this. It, 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 most of you, if we were to go around and, and, and place a million dollars in your hands, most of you say like, oh, you'd have fear for it. That's your spirit saying, I've never been faithful with little in this regard, and so I don't deserve to hold this. Are you with me? I speak facts this morning. Faith is a test. Faithfulness is the currency, and faith is the language of heaven. Heaven, write this down, heaven is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Heavenly riches are not a lottery. I, the, way, the theology that most believers are, are taught in church is that, oh, when I get to heaven, things are going to just get better. Things are just going to be amazing. Things are going to be like, oh, I, when, I, when I grew up, I, I grew up and we used to sing this song. Um, we used to sing this song called A Better Day. One of my favorite songs ever. A better day. A better day. After a while, there will be a better day. A woo child. There will be a better day. Yeah. Come on, Ursel. <laughs> after a while. And there's a line in it that goes, I'm going to ride on the rainbow road, travel on the Milky Way. I'm going to live in a home where there is no more rent to pay. And that was right, right there. That's where the church got happy. <laughs> I'm going to live in a home where there is, hallelujah, no more rent to pay. <laughs> Horrible theology. Because it says that in heaven, I will no longer be required to have responsibility. When the entire test of your humanity on earth is your responsibility of management. Management. Are we together? The question is this, what did you do with the cross? And how did you live for the cross? Your management. And the issue is our learning. We don't learn what we need to learn. We think that learning is about memorization. Learning is about education. Learning has to do, nothing to do with that. Learning is about mastery. Learning is about mastery. And in school, we, we, like how many of y'all were taught the rule of 72 in school? Some of y'all went to a nice private school. The rest of us in public school. They don't go over the rule. Of, I think that they need to do the rule of 72 all, all like 16 years of schooling. 
Most of y'all are like, I don't know what the rule of 72 is. Compound interest. And here's the thing about it. The reason why you're not taught the rule of 72 is because you are someone else's leverage. You're either being leveraged by someone else or you understand leverage. (laughs) Oh, man, this is going to be a rough morning. Never were you taught how to file taxes properly. All you know is, like, you got to pay your taxes. Hello, Stephen. (laughs) We're taught how to file our taxes. Taxes are to be prepared, not paid. Are you with me? That's why most of America is like, Donald Trump didn't raise tax returns. Shut up. He understands taxes. Whether you like him or not, he understands taxes. And you are supposed to, too. But the hypnotic societal mechanism to keep you dumb, broke, and stupid doesn't want to teach you any of that. Not taught how to prepare taxes. Not taught how to, how to navigate interest rates. Not taught how to build credit. How to recycle credit. How to restore credit. Should be like, that should be like freshman year in, high, in college. High school even. Hello, somebody. Yes. All the things that govern life. Same thing with church. You're taught to memorize some verses. Amen? You're taught how to do the prayer. You're taught to be a good person, all those things. But you don't get to, get to be taught about the things that govern eternity. The rule of kingdom increase is a scary topic. What do you mean God wants me to be rich? I'm rich in other ways. And all you're thinking about is, um, I hope they don't invite me out to lunch today because if they invite me out to lunch, see, my, my check is connected to my savings. And, and you know, I, I, I we've got all kinds of things happening in our brain around money, but we don't want to talk about it. Are we together? Do you guys still like me? Okay, good, good. I need some people to like me. Some of y'all who don't like me, well, kick rocks, I don't care. Um, we need to learn about the rule of kingdom increase and heavenly credit. Did you know that there's heavenly credit? There's heavenly credit out there, but we don't ever learn about the principles of heavenly credit. You learn to memorize verses, you learn little stories, you learn stuff about, uh, about, about things and not the essence of the thing. Seriously, though, how many of y'all were taught that you have a bank account in heaven? A couple of us, right? How come most of y'all have never heard about your bank account in heaven? It baffles me. Why why would you? Philippians, let's go to Philippians chapter 4 real quick. 4, 14. I'll show you. Is is that right if I show you? Would you like to learn about about your account? Oh, man. If my son was in here, I'd make him um, uh, recite a verse for you guys. Um, there's this verse in Matthew. It says, store up your treasures in heaven. Point number one is to your heavenly account. There's a place where you store up these treasures. Are you with me? There, there is an actual place. Philippians 4, 14. I'll start at verse 14. It says this, um, yet it was kind of you to share in my troubles. 
I'll go back to verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Your concern for me. Paul is talking about money. Just be very clear with you, okay? Can I say something else real quick? Newsflash. Every book of the New Testament, particularly the ones that Paul wrote, were a plea for an offering. The purpose of Romans was an offering. The purpose of Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians, all of these, these, these letters that you have, at the very end, he's making a plea. Send money. Send money. Help out this church over here. Help advance the work of the gospel. You guys think it was just about, oh, he just sent us ver- ver- verses so we can feel good whenever we're scared. That was part of the teaching. But the purpose as to why he picked up a pen to write was because he was making a plea for money. Why would he do that? Because your commitment is in your wallet. Are you with me? All right, let's, let's, let's continue on. <clears throat> You've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need or I have learned, for I have learned to... In whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I just want you to understand, every time you see someone say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's not talking about your strength. It's talking about your condition. I can be rich. I can be poor. I can do it all. I'm good. I'm content. Are you following me? So he goes on. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership. No church entered into what? Partnership with me in the giving and receiving except you only. Tell somebody that God is watching who's in partnership and who isn't. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help. For my needs, once again, not that I seek the gift, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In the New King James, it says to your credit account. I see, I don't seek the gift. I don't, I'm not after the gift. I'm seeking your deposit in your heavenly account. I'm seeking that some of you would actually open up an account in heaven. Some of you have negative funds in your account in heaven. You're in the red. But guess what? You don't have to stay in the red. You can make a choice to be committed to something bigger and better for your life. Are we together? I've received, verse 816, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Everyone say, I am well supplied. supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to God and our Father be the glory forever and ever Amen. See, you can't get into my God will supply all my need if you've not taken any seed of fruitfulness and credited your account. (laughs) 
Kevin, these, these folks are about to chase me out. I need you to have my back. Let me tell you something. I just, I, I just want to be, keep it very real with you. There, there's, there's, I've been a member of, of churches where they take this thing very, very seriously. Super seriously. Like to the point where if you show up and you're having marriage problems and you want counseling, the first thing that they ask you is like, are you, are you guys um, tithing? Are you, are you giving? You come in there and say, oh, I'm, I'm experiencing depression. I just don't know my purpose. First question we need to ask, how's your giving? And then they go from there. And I used to struggle. Like, why would you, why would you hit people about finances? Let me tell you something. Your financial picture, your bank statement tells you a whole lot about what you're committed to. A whole lot. And if you're not living the God-first life, what makes you think that you'll have anything good elsewhere? So, before you were a Christian, you were just walking solitary. When you became a Christian, God put you in asset management. He gave you the bag. Everyone say, I got the bag. You got the bag. Stuff for you to manage. In my world, I have to deal with banks a lot. I, love, I have to deal with banks. I have to deal with merchant accounts. I have to deal with payment processors and, and clearing houses and, and leverage. Let me write this down. Leverage is what makes the world go round. Don't get it twisted. Cash is king, but credit is what runs the empire. Cash is king, but it's credit that runs the empire. When it comes to loaning money or extending credit, the bank wants to know one thing. There's only one thing that the bank wants to know. You want to know what it is? Will he pay it back? Will he pay it back? Will she pay it back? Will, will we, how will we get our money back? How will this person steward this money that we're, that we're giving to, to this individual? Will we ever see a dime of it back? And how do they do that? They run a credit check. They check your history. Were you faithful with little or not? Why would they do that? But my business plan is really good, but I, but I really need the money. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's cute, Pookie, that you want to start a little nail salon. All we want to know is, if, are we going to get our money back? but I have a really amazing concept. I mean, I have this idea for an app and it's going to change the world. Yes, that's nice. All we want to know is how do you pay us back? Will you pay it back? Do you pay small bills off or do you let them linger? So, so wealth secret number 3,082 I'll give you. The bank's this is why I love America. This, this doesn't happen in most other countries around the world. It doesn't happen in Africa. The banks, the banks will enter into partnership with you by allowing you to use their money in order to build your empire. What a country. 
You mean to tell me that if, if I take my little Discover card and, 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 and I make three consecutive payments on time and, and, and I build up my credit, I can go back to the bank and say, I need $50,000 now. And they'll say, let's see what you did. Oh, you're good with a $500 limit? I think we can trust you with a $5,000. You're good with a $5,000? I think we can trust you with a $50,000. You're good with $50,000? I think we can trust you with half a million. Am I telling you lies about how it works? How come y'all don't get it when it comes to the kingdom of God? Why would it be any... Di- God put that, that order in place so that you can get a picture of what the kingdom looks like. Check this out. How are you with your Ashley furniture bill? How'd you do with your Target Debit card. The bank is loaning you money that doesn't last. It is unrighteous wealth. It is eternally worthless. And God's like, I'm giving you unrighteous wealth as a test, a simulation, an exercise to see how you show up with little. Are we together? One of my one of my, the first businesses, Ursel, remember this. One of the first businesses that I had um, uh, when we were in Lincoln, Nebraska, was um, uh, we used to call it crashing. So we had contracts with Visa, MasterCard, and several different banks. And um, during orientation week, some of y'all may remember this, at your college, I was behind that. <laughs> there'd, be a, there'd be someone who'd randomly show up with a desk and say, get your free credit card. And they would sign you up. They would pay us like 200 bucks for each applicant that, that went through and everything. Well, I was happy. It was easy money. Incredible money. But the thing is this, that those kids had no idea that their life was depending on what they did with that simple offer. If we could only go around the room and say, how many of y'all got in trouble because of the freshman credit card? Because you're given an instrument that makes the world go round, but never prepared for how to handle it. And here's the thing. God, God is the ultimate banker. God is the ultimate banker. All of you are in an economy of kingdom economics. Are, you, are we together? And your credit check is one that's, that's for eternity. God is dealing with true riches and blessings and treasure. So the question is, will you be faithful with true riches if you've been unfaithful with unrighteous wealth? Your entire life, for the next 70 to 100 years, or more if you're a vegan, that's what they say, (laughs) is a spiritual loan application. Your entire life is nothing more than a spiritual loan application where God's just looking at how you manage Every asset that is placed into your hands, how do you deal with it? But most of us don't understand that, and it's not your fault because you've not been taught. You've not been taught. Nobody has ever dealt with the terms of agreement with you. So my first idea, my first point is uh, you need to understand the difference between true riches and unrighteous wealth. There are six financial terms in the passage that we read in, in Luke 16. Six financial terms. Uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes, put a column. On the left-hand side of the column, put uh, very little, unrighteous wealth, that which is another's. Very little, unrighteous wealth, 
that which is another. Can I say it again? Very little, unrighteous wealth, that which is another. On the right-hand side, put much, true riches, that which is your own. Much, true riches, that which is your own. So you've got very little and much. You've got unrighteous wealth, and you've got true riches. You've got that which is you, uh, not another's, and that is, which is your own. Very little. Let's address very little real quick. My, my, my daughter, Zara, likes Taco Bell. This is how I, I have proof that she's Pauline's child as well. <laughs> the only, only thing, because I hate Taco Bell. When she says, I like Taco Bell, I was like, oh, you've been hanging around with your mother. If I go to Taco Bell with Zara, all she wants is a taco. For her, it's like, oh, this is so much. But when I look at that taco, I'm like, that's very little. And I don't even know if that's real meat in there. For her, her it's, a, it's an issue of perspective, right? The difference is not the taco. The difference is perspective. I am bigger, so what's big to me is, 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 is what's little for her or, or big for her is very little for me. Have you ever been around people who make way more money than you do? Oh, you, should, you, should, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I, I encourage you, spend more time around people who make way more money than you. Make them the average of people that you hang out with sometimes. It's, it's, it's interesting the conversations that you have around them. Like It's like, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing good making $60,000 a year. They make $600,000 a year. Very interesting. A million dollars may look like a whole lot to you, but to Elon Musk, that's poverty. Are, are you with me? Now, I know there's cognitive, cognitive dissonance happening in your mind when you hear that because you're like, well, that's because I'm content with my, my $72,000 a year. Fine. That, that's, that's, I'm not going to judge that. But what I will say is that is that all the capacity that you have? Or do you, is there a part of you that knows that there's more? Are we together? To God, anything that is not eternal, anything that is not eternal is nothing to God. If you can't be trusted with temporal things, then why should he trust you with eternal things? And so, very little. What, what, what was it there? It was very little and much, right? God sees much as being what he wants to put you in, but you're struggling with very little. <laughs> ah, I don't have time. I will talk about that next week. Is it okay if we extend this into next week? All right, we'll, we'll, we'll extend it until next week. Then we've got unrighteous wealth versus true riches. And I've explained how unrighteous wealth has to do with, as a result of the fall, things that die off, things that clothing and money itself is not sinful, but the fact that it has a time limit, that at any moment, if a government was to change, they can change the interest rates, they can change the inflation, they can change, all those things are variables, and therefore it is not trustworthy, Right? Therefore, it is unrighteous. But then there's true riches, and true riches are those that last, that last. 
Money as we know it, as we know it now, is a result of the fall. Make no mistakes about it. And some people will say, well, when you get to heaven, there won't be any money. Shut up. Not true. Because before the fall, if, if God can describe, if the Bible can describe the Garden of Eden as having good gold in it, why would God put gold there? For two people. Are we together? So I want us to, to, to cast that, that, that ideology aside. God put gold in the Garden of Eden so that you can understand that in the kingdom of heaven, there is currency of some sort. There is value of some sort. There are value exchanges that take place. However, stocks will fail. Bitcoin will go up and down. I won't, I don't, I won't tell you my Bitcoin story. If I told you my Bitcoin story, I'd have to line up in the back there and let all of you slap me one by one. Just, you stupid man. I had a whole lot of Bitcoin once upon a time. Then I thought it was a joke and I lost the drive. Did I admit that to you? Oh, sorry, Pauline. Sheesh. Ooh. That was an epic fail. Guess who can't be trusted with unrighteous wealth <laughs> in that manner? There are riches out there, though, things that last, the currency that heaven recognizes. And the currency that heaven recognizes is how you leverage unrighteous wealth. The currency exchange of what you do with that which is failing. With that which is failing. Then you've got that which is another's and that which is your own. That which is another's and that which is your own. The Bible clearly says the earth is whose? Let's say it again. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness, fullness thereof. Everything on this planet belongs to God. You simply get to steward it, to take care of it, to asset manage it. And the question becomes, can you be trusted as an asset manager? Or will one day you be called and the, man, the master will say, I need you to take an account of all your management. For the management is being taken away from you. This includes everything. My kids are not my kids. I love them. I take care of them. But they're not my kids. They're simply put to, into my life on loan from God. And how I raise them, how I care for them, how I take care of them, all those things will be under judgment and under scrutiny. Are we together? Every relationship that you have in your life is under management. You can't simply go around crapping on people and think that it's okay because my prerogative. God's like, I placed that person in your life. What do you do with that relationship? Were you an agent of reconciliation or were you an agent of division, strife, and gossip? Your house. Let's go ahead and do a credit check. Is that okay if we do a credit check real quick? I'm going to do a credit check. When we're doing this credit check, I don't want you to compare yourself to anybody else. 
Because that's what, that's what church people like to do. Well, well, I'm not like the Johnsons. I've been driving the same 10-year-old Buick for the last 10 years. Haven't bought a new car, but look at them. Every year they get a new Lexus. A Plexus Lexus. I'm humble. Shut up. You're prideful. Don't, don't compare yourself to anybody. When you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, okay, okay, Timmy, uh, let's see how you did compared to Johnny. Let's see how, Ray Ray, let's see how you did compared to Bubba. Tyrone, let's see how you did compared to Jamal. They're not going to grade you on some curve. God's just going to look at what did you do with what I placed in your hand? What did you do with the capacity that I gave you? He gave the talents to his servants according to their ability, according to their capacity. And, and, and that, has to, that has to be something that you, you work through in your life. Am I a one-talent capacity person, a two-talent, or a five-talent capacity person? Because if you're flying under the radar of what God placed you here for, there is loss in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is why I'm a maximizer. That is why. The thing is this, is that God placed me on here to be the head and not the tail. Hello, somebody. To be above and not beneath. He placed me on here to walk with my head held high and to do some serious, crazy Jesus. For his glory. Are you with me? And I will not be in the remedial class in heaven talking about, well, you know, I just didn't apply myself. You better leave this planet completely like spent. Like, God, you gave me opportunity and I exhausted it. You gave me influence and I leveraged it. You gave me money in my hand and I went and I, I invested, I spent, I did everything I was supposed to do with it. I was flying those Jordans to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Uh, I'll talk about that. Let's talk about material wealth. So, is that all right if we talk about material wealth? Oh, yeah. I, I see, the thing is, is that, that, like, that God knows that Jonathan Belima likes nice stuff. He just does. Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Last night, Ursel, I had to take Ursel home, so we, we stopped because I wanted to get some food to go at Grapau because that's where Jesus is most of the time. <laughs> and so I stopped by there. And, and Ursa and I were, were, were sharing a, an adult beverage to the glory of God. And um, uh, as we sat there, there was another gentleman and his, and his wife and a, a couple having dinner with another couple. And I turned over and I looked at his watch. I was like, oh, that's a watch of means. And so when his wife left to, you know, go take care of herself and, and he was just by himself, I, I said, my friend, that's a very nice watch. Can, can I take a look at it? And he immediately lit up. Did he not light up? He lit up. He was like, oh, someone has noticed my watch. And so he looks and says, yes, it is a, it is a boulevard. <laughs> so if you can see, the, the basil has been cut a certain way. It was just, and he, he was so proud of himself. He was, like, he, was so proud. he was so proud of himself. You know? And, and he says, you know, I, 
I bought this because I do real estate. I have many, many homes that I have <laughs> bought over the years, and we've done very well for ourselves. We've, we've done great. We've done great. I mean, you've got the people out there who, who think they've done great, but they don't own anything. He didn't say it like that. He had, he had other colorful language. They don't own. But I'm an owner. I'm not a renter. I'm an owner. I rent to people. And I was like, that is awesome. He's like, my favorite watch, however, is a Breitling. I was like, oh, yes. Well, I know about Breitling. It is one of my favorites as well. In my head, I'm thinking, I own three of them. <laughs> and he, he goes on and on. But, but, but like, as we talked, as we talked, the thing is this, that in my, I've, I've been looking for a, a solid real estate connection investor. It's been something I've been praying for. And, and, and I've been looking for someone, and, and, and he starts sharing, and, and I, he's got, gets to talking more. He's like, we've invested, we've bought homes here in Riverside, and San Bernardino, Colton, we've got, and we started, and, and I am now 48 years old, and I can tell you, we have everything that we need. We send our children to private schools. I was like, that's incredible. You've done well. He says, what do you do? I'm like, I'm just a student. I'm just a student. And for some reason, he asked me, he says, um, uh, he goes, he, he says, do you know a guy named Chris? And I'm like, yes, I know Chris. So how do you know Chris? I was like, uh, he's one of the other guys in town that has a car that's just like mine. He's like, which car is that? I'm like, I won't name the car because y'all will judge me. I was like, he has a Wraith, and I have a Wraith as well. He's like, really? I should be learning from you. I'm like, no, I'm here to learn from you. And the thing that happened is that our conversation around unrighteous wealth led to him giving me his number, his wife saying, I want to hang out with you and your wife. Maybe we could have dinner sometime. I'm like, yes, we can. Because you need to find a new church <laughs> where you can tithe. <laughs> he exchanged phone numbers and... and, and as he, uh, he leaves, and as I'm driving home, immediately I get a text message from him. Hey, John, great to meet you. Can't wait to stay connected with you. And I'm like, I can't wait to get you connected as well. First, you're going to come to church. Then you're going to go to Mandate. <laughs> you're going to go through Awake and Reveal and the leadership and <laughs> make you a productive citizen. <laughs> you're going to teach me everything I need to learn about how to invest in real estate the way that you've invested. And I'll share everything I know with you. And he sends me another text. Do your children go to Woodcrest Christian? I'm like, yes, they do. My wife thinks that she's recognized you. I'm like, how, did she, how come she didn't say that before? <laughs> He's my best buddy. Texted me this morning. Good morning, John. Hope you're having a great day. <laughs> Once again, great meeting last night. Unrighteous wealth to leverage a relationship. To leverage a what? A relationship. To leverage a relationship. I have a dream to buy a Lamborghini and a Ferrari for a purpose. There's a purpose. You might see me driving one of those in the next few months. Who knows? God, God knows. I may test drive one and hate it and have to lower my standards for a McLaren. I don't know. <laughs> but, but here's what happened. And um, I need you to get this because there, there's, there's a purpose behind it. When I got my Bentley, I did it because one of the reasons was I went to apply for a car some time back, and they said, listen, 
for this caliber of car, we need you to have had another exotic before we can allow you to get this car. You simply can't go in there and buy a Rolls Royce. They'll reject you. Rolls Royce will say, oh, looks like you've had Hondas and Camrys, good cars. BMWs, good cars, but we need to see something at a higher caliber for us to extend an invitation for you to deserve this car. Faithful and little. Are you following the principle there? Even when it comes to buying exotics. So I, I bought the Bentley. God provided a way. Sweetheart deal, all those things. Also from a leveraged relationship. And I get in contact with Myron Golden, who some of y'all have gotten to meet. Myron is, is a million-dollar consultant. To sit, he, he sits down with people for one hour and charges a million dollars for a conversation with him. True story. Not making this up. Myron is kind of skeptical, like, who is this John Belima guy? I show up to pick him up in my Bentley. Immediately, Myron goes, you have the same car that I have. You and I can be friends. From that point on, Myron's hanging out with me. And Myron's like, I have an event in Dallas. Fly down and be part of my event. And I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars for you to be part of my event. Fly down to Atlanta and be part of my event. You're my boy. I go to a place. I'm hanging out with guys like Dan Locke and all these people. If you're in the marketing world, you know who they are. And whenever I'm, whenever I'm in the room with Myron, Myron's like, this is my buddy John. He's my homie. We have twin cars. And all of a sudden, people that you're trying to get access to are now saying, so you and Myron are like really close, huh? Let me get your number. It's funny when Dan Henry, which everyone thinks is like the worst guy ever, is like, bro, let's, let's stay in touch. Unrighteous wealth? Will the Bentley go with me to heaven? Will it? Yes, it will. It will if I take it to the currency exchange. And use it to gain they. Are you with me? If I use it, it could be a Mercedes, it could be a, a, a Buick, it could be a, a, a Pinto. It doesn't matter at whatever level you're at as long as you're leveraging it to gain they. Last night I was at the Wrangles house celebrating Mama Mary's birthday for, for a few minutes and here's what was amazing. We're in their backyard, and I'm looking at their backyard, and I'm like, man, they have a really large backyard. In California, it's very rare that you get a backyard this size. And I thought to myself, wow, there, there's all kinds of family there. It was packed with family guys from all. You had guys who were vato loco gangster guys. You had, you, you had grandmas there, you had kids playing, you had a big water slide. And I'm like, wow, how they stored their property in order to create a space so that I could come and hang out there with them. And then their friends who will never come to church are asking me about the Bible. They created a situation where it can be, are you with me? I go to the Williams house to this afternoon, we're, we're, we're having a party there. And it's going to be their 52nd event this year. <laughs> large home, large backyard. They are using it for what? They. 
You can have a one-room studio apartment, but are you using it for they? Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be entertaining people, but if your life is one where you're out there spending your life serving people, perhaps your it is only useful that you can find rest because you're dedicated to they. Are you with me? 10 million years from now, the stuff that you own is going to look stupid unless you took it to the currency exchange. What about your job and your business? No matter how important your title, I am the director of operations of systematic blah, 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 blah. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years. Okay. Are you using it for they? Is it being credited into your heavenly account? Or is it just staying in your Bank of America account? Is it for the purpose of just paying your bills? See, here's the thing about it. If you call yourself a Christian, let's, let's, say, let's say it together. I am a C. I am a C-H. I am a C-H-R-I-C-I-N. You forgot the amen. I am a C-H-R-I-C-I-N. Amen. And I will. Okay, y'all need to go back to Sunday school. Clearly. Clearly. I'm a Christian. Do you, know what me, do, do you know what it means to be a Christian? Very simple. You are a minister. You are a full-time minister of the gospel. You are a full-time minister of the gospel, funded by your real estate, funded by the hospital you work for, funded by the energy company you work for, funded by all the cool things you do. Sometimes he's on stage at a casino. Sometimes he's selling trucks. Sometimes he's just being a cool black man. <laughs> I, am a I am a minister of the gospel, funded by my graphic design. Funded by all, everything that you do, needs, you need to look at it as these are the assets that I am under management for that fund the life transformation of the people around me. Goes to sports, schoolwork. These are all little things to leverage eternity. Speaking of homes, see here's the thing. Jesus said this, in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. Let me ask you a question. Based on how you've managed yourself on earth here, if you were to apply for a condo in heaven, how would that application process go for you? Oh, I need a co-signer for my mama because she was in church all the time. <laughs> God's going to be like, no, no co-signers here. Are we together? Yeah. Credit check, check number two. Unrighteous wealth. How do you use your money? If God took a look at your finances in your Christian life, what percentage, what percentage was leveraged for eternity? What percentage of your money right now is being leveraged for eternity? What he'll probably find is that you have more interest in Starbucks than you do in the global transformation of mankind. You have more interest in Starbucks. You're more committed to your coffee than you are to your local church. Yeah. 
financially. If you can't say amen, say ouch. You're more committed to Jordans, to Apple Music, to Amazon Prime, to your PS5. You're more committed to your Disneyland trip once per year with your entire family than you've ever been to your local church. I know this to be true. Why? Because I've looked at the finances. If our church, if everyone in our church was on welfare, but they gave a tithe, would have a building, would have a charter school, would be sending multiple missionaries around the world, would be planting churches all throughout Southern California, everything that is part of our vision would be coming to pass if we were faithful. But the truth is this, 95% of you have never been faithful. 95% of you have never even opened up an account in heaven. I only come to tell truth with love. Malachi 3 verse 8 says this, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? San Bernardino translation of that is simply this, Y'all Christians are some thieves. Stealing from God. How do we know? We look at the cars you drive, the clothes you wear, and your lack of investment in the local church. Tithe is not what you give to a homeless guy. Tithe is not what you give to a 501c3 somewhere. Tithe is not what you give to Kenneth Copeland or somebody on TV. Tithe goes to your place of your Weekly community, your local community. Everything above that is an offering. Are we together? It's not, oh, no, no, pastor, we're a New Testament church. Tithe is not for the New Testament. Meet me afterwards. You buy me lunch, and then we can talk about that. Most of us would not pass the 10% test. The 10% test. It's a 10% test. And Malachi says, test me. Can I, can I read Malachi for y'all real quick? Let's, let's go to Malachi 3. Uh, for the Lord, for I the Lord do not change. What? What's that? God doesn't change. I the Lord do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not are not consumed from the days of our fathers. You have returned aside from my statutes, have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we, how shall we return? How shall we re- return? He says, you want to know how you return to me? All right, cool. Let's go to your money. Will a man rob God? Verse 8. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me and the whole nation of you. Bring the full. How much of the tithe? full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. 
if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I'll rebuke the devourer for you that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations shall call you blessed for you will be the land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. That's God bragging. He says, if you just trust me and test me on this, everybody's going to see it. Everyone's going to look at you and say, man, those people are blessed. But some of you won't do it. You know why? Because you love money. You have an emotional attachment with money. And God's like, because you have that, such an emotional attachment with it, I can't trust you with any more of it. Some of you are wise enough to use kingdom principles to accumulate wealth, but never put it into your heavenly account. And what happens is that when you climb that ladder of success, at the very end, you'll discover that you've been leaning on the, on the wrong building. Because the building will fail. That's why he says, store up your treasure in heaven, where moth and insects do not destroy are we good? Credit check number three. Have you been faithful with the things that are others? Or are you a hoarder of the things that aren't yours and only using it for your sake? Let me tell you something. I'm not a prosperity gospel guy. But I believe in prosperity. Amen. Are you with me? Oh, yeah, it's God wants you to be prosperous. He wants it for you. At the same time, I don't believe in this poverty BS. Some people say, well, well now that I'm a Christian, I, I'm just going to like, you know, I, I'm going to take a vow of poverty. I'm not going to. Joseph had a coat of many colors. Are you with me? It was a Gucci Literal Hebrew word is Gucci. The way that God describes the blessing he wants to put on you, and y'all want to put on a sackcloth, it's not me. He, 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 wants you to be, he wants you to be like flashy for his kingdom. Amen? Louis Vuitton for the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> If that is in alignment with how he's working in your life. Are you with me? <laughs> I, I don't have time to tell you that story. Maybe next week. Get the best. Strive for the best. Get cars. Get homes. Buy lands. For the glory of God. Manage that asset well. Don't hoard it for yourself. Are you with me? Manage it well. Use it as leverage so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. Are we together? Use it for the glory of God. Because God's going to ask you, what did you do with the stuff? Oh, we had nice pool parties, me and my wife. Get the bag. Are you with me? 
Get the bag. See, most of our situations in life are like this. You get a home, car, nice family, three levels, whatever it is, all the furnishings you want. If it's just for you, it failed. Get the cars. It's my daughter's LOL car. It's kind of cool, isn't it? It even has a little pool in the back. Don't tell her I did that. As a matter of fact, don't tell her I brought it to church. Get the car. Get the stuff. Are you with me? But if it's just for you, what was it for? Because you're going to be at the admissions or the entrance of heaven with all your stuff. And if all this stuff never was leveraged for the kingdom, if the bank was never for the kingdom, if all the gadgets were, were never, all the toys that you accumulate were only for this place on this planet, guess what? You get to heaven in an empty bag situation. You're in heaven, but there's a scenario of being broke in the kingdom. But if you can take this house and say, this was my house. Yes, we did the 6,000 square feet, but you know what? We prepared a room for the prophet and the man of God to come whenever they were traveling and coming in town. We hosted people over here. We held counseling sessions in this place. It was a place of rest whenever we were on the road ministering to your people so we could come home and have a resort in our own house because we were spending our life in order to gain them. God's going to be like, I'll take that house and triple, double, quadruple it. If you can take your cars and say, Lord, we had, we had all these cars. We had, we had the, the, the Lexus, the Infinity. We had all the cars that we, what we wanted. But there were vehicles to move us around in comfort. Hello, somebody. My wife one time was mad at me. She said, why would you put that subwoofer in your car? She got mad at me. She got in my car one day and she turned on the radio. And was like, <laughs> She's like, why do you do this? I'm like, babe. I spend most of my time in my car driving places to minister. Amen. And if I'm going to be in my car most of the time, let me at least enjoy my travel. Amen. And when I get Ray Ray and Bubba and Tyrone in the car with me, let us at least have a little boom in the back. (laughs) If I can say to God, yes, I had the car. It wasn't just for me. I stewarded this car for your glory. God's going to be like, yes, I'll take that car. It's currency that can be exchanged into your heavenly account. All the possessions are under a test. When you unpack the bag... Will God be able to see himself in every asset that you own? Or will he only see your life and your interest? Will he be able to say, oh man, your life was all about 
the kingdom. Attributing and giving glory to me and not just living for yourself. If God can do that, all this stuff converts. And your U.S. dollars and your U.S. property and all the things that you have converts into kingdom assets that are multiplied. How many of y'all know that you got an account? You have an account in heaven. My challenge for you today is this. Let's open up that account and start depositing. Amen? To be continued next week. Father God, I thank you. Come on, let's, let's give it up to the Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this word. I pray that it, 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 it transforms us from the inside out, God. We have an opportunity in this room right now to either leave this place exactly with the same mindset and philosophy. Before this morning, it wasn't our fault. We didn't know. But after this last hour, God, my prayer is that we learn something. And the test is faith. Will we trust you? Or will we lean to our own understanding and continue in the same cycle? There's some in here right now who, who feel that pressure in their chest, the anticipation of that anxiety. That's God speaking to you, saying, you know what? It's coming up because there's breakthrough on the other side of this. If you'll release yourself to it, he says, test me. Test me in this. Will I not pour out a blessing in your life from heaven? Will I not protect your assets that the devourer will not devour? God, it is now our choice to start co-creating with you. It is our choice right now to join and become partners with you. It is our choice right now to make a deposit into your heavenly account. To get out of the negative. Help us in our unbelief that we may pass the test of faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I, I want to give you one last thought before I get off here. And Jessica comes here. Last night, Ursel and I were talking about this passage and he said, I'm a little discouraged because I've lived 40 plus years. I hope it's okay if I share this. Well, I've already done it or so. You can slap me later. later. He says, after 40, 44 years of, 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 of not living this way, have I wasted my time? And I want to tell you something. God does not recognize the time that you recognize. He lives in eternity. Are you with me? The test is not what you did over a long period of time. The test is what you did when you knew that you needed to do better. The test begins with this, faithful with little. That means even your time. 
You can turn the page and start a new chapter today. The Bible says there's another day called today. Amen? Let's do something new with God. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit relevant316.com slash give for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it through your social media, and tag us. Once again, thanks for joining us. God bless.